Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Yeah, today we conclude this series that we've been in for the last several weeks entitled Gratitude Changes Everything. This next weekend we'll start a brand new series as we move into uh, the Advent season. I'm really looking forward to that. But today we conclude as we move closer to Thursday, Thanksgiving, and, and then of course before that Wednesday night, I just... I don't have to say it again, but I just reiterate everything they said. Be here this Wednesday night if you're able to. If not, join us online, but it's going to be a great time. You know, uh, the first week we talked about how gratitude changes how we see things, meaning that when you're looking through the lenses of gratitude, it changes your perspective on life. Just everything's different. Um, Last week we talked a little bit about how gratitude uh, changes how we face battles in life. How many of you know, man, 2020 has been like one giant battle. You know what I'm talking about? But, and I've had so many conversations with people during this year that have really been through some very difficult times, battles, if you will, and listening how they've been able to approach and, and even handle them. And uh, grat- gratitude affects that, the outcome of that, how we approach it, how we battle. And uh, by the way, if you've missed any of these teachings, make sure you hop online and Go to any of our social media platforms, they're all there. But today, I wanna, I wanna wrap up this series with this thought that gratitude changes our lives. It changes everything about us. Uh, you know, I, I was thinking about, you know, this week, I, I'm, I, by the way, I'm a big sports nut. I, I love all sports. If I've been in other countries where I couldn't get ESPN, you know what I'm talking about? And I was like, well, what do you guys play here? And they're like, oh, snooker or whatever. You know, it's like, is it on TV? Yeah, well, let's, I've never heard of that. Let's watch it. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm just one of those guys, right? I just love sport. And I can remember being a little guy. I had uh, dreams of playing in the NBA. And in fact, not just any team, the Seattle Supersonics. Bring them back. Bring them back, God. Come on, let's just take a minute here. I'm kidding. Um, but so that, that's what I was going to do. Done, right? And then I hit about middle school and realized that that wasn't God's will for my life. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, well, because I wasn't good enough, right? But, but I remember being like eighth grade and I was like, you know, since I can't be a professional athlete and get paid a bunch of money to do it, I still wanna work in the sports world. And so I decided that I wanted to pursue that in some capacity. And so the next question was, how can I do it and still make a bunch of money? And, well, there's a couple of ways you can do that. One of the ways that I landed the plane on was to be a sports doctor, okay? Um, And so with that, there was a gentleman in our church that my grandfather said, well, if you want to be a sports doctor, you got to go hang out with Dr. Steve Teeny, who's an orthopedic surgeon here in Lakewood. And so he was so gracious. I'm probably, you know, 14. And, you know, he said, hey, JF, come with me to the, to the, uh, you know, the state championship, the high school basketball tournament at the Tacoma Dome, and you can, you can wingman me, right? You can carry the bag, and, you know, I can help show you how this all works. I'm like, yeah, cool, right? So I went with him, and it was so much, I was like, awesome. And he was like, okay, great. So now if you want, you can come and kind of be like a, a mini intern at my practice. And so I said, that's awesome. So I'll never forget, like, day one, I get there, and I'm all fired up to go, and, you know, I'm going to be an orthopedic sports surgeon, you know, and and by the way, I had no idea what that was, but 
I was in, you know. I get there, and um, he said, okay, well, uh, let's get started here. First of all, I, I want to kind of get you acquainted with what you'll be doing, because, you know, this, this type of uh, medicine really most of the time deals specifically with, with injuries, <laughs> okay? And I said, great. Now, one thing, if you know me at all, my wife will tell you that blood and injuries, like, it doesn't work with me. Like, it's just our kids will scrape their knee and I'm like, I'm like having to hold onto the table because I'm not, you know, I'm just it's bizarre, you know? And so he said, he, I'll never forget, this was years ago, but he had this big like binder with these plastic sheets with all these pictures. And what I found out was that they were pictures of injuries. I guess this is what he does with all of his first interns. So he pulled the book out and he goes, now look at this. And he flipped the thing over and I was like, what's that? And I'm not kidding. This, this guy is, le- I don't want to gross. Does anyone else have a weak stomach? Maybe you want to plug your ears. Dude's like leg was just kind of turned in the opposite direction. He goes, yeah, that one there. And I was like, oh, oh my word. He goes, now look at this one. He flipped it over, full on compound fracture. Now this one was a doozy, but we put them back together. And I was like, oh, oh, oh. And he said, now look at this one here. Guy's shoulder was just like wrapped around his, and I'm like, Ah, and I finally was like, I was like, Dr. T, please, please close the book. Please close the book. He's like, what are you, what are you doing? I thought you're, this is what you're going to do every day for the rest of your life. Like, you're not, you don't want, this is, what, this is what happens to athletes, and we fix them up. And I'm like, hallelujah, let me pray. I, I feel like this may not be God's will for my life. I, you know what, for, for, forgive me. Thank you for your time. This is not for me. And uh, I'm just, I'm not up, I'm not up for this. And it's funny, we're, we're still friends to this day and he still has his practice in Lakewood. And I'll see him walk in chambers or something. He's like, still want to be an orthopedic surgeon? I'm like, I'm like, he started laughing. He was like, I think you walked into your calling. You're a better preacher. You would never make a good doctor. And I'm like, well, bless you too, brother, right? And we, we, we joke around about that. But, you know, sometimes this, this idea kind of, it can creep over into this subject of gratitude. Because here, here's the thing, every one of us, let me say it like this, no one in this room doesn't want to be grateful, right? Like we all, we all want to be grateful. In fact, we want to be known for that. But lots of times we find out what it's going to take and we're like, oh, that's a lot. And so, so we do we do other things that lead in the opposite direction of thankfulness and, and gratitude. And today, I just want to take a few minutes and encourage you because, you know, this gratitude thing will change your life. But it's a spiritual muscle, if you will. You got to work it. Um, but we're all capable of doing that. And so I want to talk a little bit about that today. I want to go to a story that we find in the Old Testament in the book of First Samuel. And let me just say this out of the gate. It's an obscure story. I'd be, I'd be kind of shocked if, if, you've, if you know this story well. Maybe you've read it, but it's not a popular story, but there's so much insight, uh, specifically in this area of gratitude, but not just gratitude, generosity, right? Because out of a grateful heart flows generosity. I'm going to talk a little bit about that today, but I want to look at this sto- story because it just, it, it shows us so clearly how gratitude can drastically change our lives. But I also want to show uh, a few pitfalls that 
keep us from acting out this gratitude thing on a regular basis. So if you have your Bibles, get it open right now. If not, there, there, there's gonna be Bibles everywhere. I mean, it's just in the sky and there's a screen. So we make it as user-friendly user as possible. But I always like to say too, you should also uh, make sure I'm not making stuff up, okay? So if you've got a Bible, maybe on your phone, pull it out and we can look through it. I'm gonna read, I've got a lot of text here, but I'm gonna, the story's gonna be told through the text, okay? 1 Samuel chapter 25, verses 1 through 3, right out of the gate. It says, Now Samuel died, and all Israel assembled and mourned for him. Samuel was a prophet of God, by the way. They buried him at his home in Ramah. Then David, King David, by the way, then David moved down to the desert of Paran. A certain man in Maon who had property there at Carmel was very wealthy. He had a thousand goats and three thousand sheep, which he was shearing in Carmel. His name was Nabal, and his wife's name was Abigail. She was an intelligent and beautiful woman. But, someone say but. But her husband was surly and mean in his dealings. He was a Calebite. Another word for surly is just hot-tempered. So you get the picture of this dude? He's just mean and hot-tempered. And so the story starts out with a distinction that couldn't be clearer. And it's so important to understand the characters here and, and, and the contrast of who they are. This husband and wife, Nabal, who is surly and, and mean and hot-tempered and greedy and just all of those despicable qualities but it's, it doesn't just stop right there. It's really important to understand that in the original language, in the Hebrew, the name Nabal actually translates to fool, okay? So husband, fool, is married to Abigail. Now, what did we just read about Ab Abigail? She's pleasant. She's intelligent, and she's nice, and, and, and hospitable. And you see the contrast there? It doesn't stop right there. Because this, in the original language, in the Hebrew, the name Abigail, if you're looking for a girl's name, this is a great one, Abigail actually translates to the joy of her father or my father's joy. Isn't that cool how, how these, these names take on meanings? And it's really important because Scripture is specifically doing this on purpose, okay? And we can't miss that. So this is now where we can really begin to confront the first reality of this conversation on gratitude, really that we, we, we all need to understand. So if you're taking notes, write this first one down, and that is, here you go, put it up on the screen here. Gratitude is not a feeling, gratitude is a choice. If you're taking notes, write that down, and you say, I already knew that. I'm, I'm sure you already did. I know it sounds very rudimentary, it's basic, but I'm telling you, this is, you, you begin to practice gratitude in this way, it's huge because so often we don't act out of gratitude because we're waiting for a feeling to be thankful. Like, like, like we're waiting to feel thanksgiving in our hearts before we reciprocate it. Does that make sense? And, and, but we're being deceived because gratitude isn't to be felt it's to be decided. Let, let, me, let me put it to you like this. Um, 
I may or may not wake up in the morning and feel like I'm married to Pastor Ashley. Um, but I am. You know what I'm talking about? I am, and I, I make choices understanding that I'm married. You, you feel what I'm, see what I'm talking about here? And so gratitude is the exact same, my friends. If you've already decided to be grateful, you don't wait till you feel like it. You make the decision and then you make your choices based on the fact that you've already decided to be a grateful person. You see how this works? It's a decision. We get so hung up on, I just don't feel like, I don't feel like it, right? I'm, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait until I'm happy before I'm grateful. I'm sorry, it's, it's actually the opposite. Because, because what comes out of a grateful heart, we, then we experience the happiness. You can't get to happy before gratuity. You see what I'm saying? And so, and so it's really, really important. Gratitude is not a feeling. Gratitude is a choice. And I love how clear Scripture makes this. We start this story with this man named Fool, Nabal, whose choices and decisions are so selfish that it actually communicates who he really is to everybody around him through the title of his name, Fool. And then you have Abigail, whose life choices communicates the joy of her father. What if the way we lived, our lives pointed people in the direction of the Lord that people knew us by that? to the point where it, would be, it became our identity. It was actually our name. Oh, there she is right there. That's, that's, that's the joy of the Lord. What's her name again? That's, just, that's joy of the Lord over here. In fact, man, I was going through hell. I was going through all this stuff. And that nice lady over there, her name, Joy of the Father, right, took me to coffee. And we started meeting for coffee for the next last nine months. And you know what? I gave my life to Christ because of everything she poured into me. That's the joy of the Lord, right? What, like, what if that became our identity to where, we're, where our actual identity was in the Lord, but people recognized it that way? So the question is, the fruit that you are producing, what is it communicating to people who are, who are wondering about your name? Have they already given you a name? Something to contemplate here. So let's get back to this story here. We have this very wealthy man. His name's Fool. His brilliant wife named the Joy of the Lord. And David and his men have been camped around their property. Remember, he's a wealthy man, lots of property. He's got his sheep and his servants and the whole thing. And David and his men are, they, Nabal doesn't even know it. Abigail doesn't even know it, but David and his men are have in, all the way around them. And look what happens here, verse 4, 1 Samuel 25. While David was in the wilderness, he heard that Nabal was shearing sheep. So he sent 10 young men and said to them, go up to Nabal at Carmel and greet him in my name. This is David talking to his servants. Say to him, long life to you, Nabal. Good health to you and your household, Nabal, and good health to all that is yours. 
Verse seven, now I hear that it is sheep shearing time. When your shepherds were with us, we did not mistreat them. And the whole time there at Carmel, nothing of theirs was missing, meaning we protected your people and your land and your possessions, all right? Ask your own servants and they will tell you. Therefore, be favorable toward my men since we come at a festive time. Please give your servants and your son David whatever you can find for them. Can you help a brother out is what he's saying. Verse 9. When David's men arrived, they gave Nabal this message in David's name. And then they waited. So they give the message to Nabal's crew, and then they just stop and they waited. They were waiting to see if Nabal was going to make a choice to be generous or a choice to be selfish. They waited to, to see what, what, they, what, what his men had to say, right? Look at verse 10. Nabal answered David's servants, who is this David? Who is this son of Jesse? Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. Why should I take my bread and water and the meat I have slaughtered for my shears and give it to the men coming from who knows where? Wait a second, who does this guy think? I'm supposed to do something? What's, what's this David guy? What's he done for me? Where's he come from? Who does he think he is? Do you know what I've done? He doesn't even know what I've done. I bet if he knew what I had done, he wouldn't be so upfront like this. Who did, what are you talking about? Nabal, the fool, he answers a request of the people in need, not with a response to God, but instead whether he thinks they deserve his generosity. And that brings us to the next area that we must understand to help us be genuinely grateful and lead lives that continually display gratitude. First one, gratitude's not a feeling. Gratitude is a choice. Here's the second one. Gratitude to God results in generosity to others. A heart of thankfulness, gratitude to God always generates generosity to the person standing in front of me. Because when we're genuinely grateful to God for everything he's done, everything that he's provided for us, it always results in us being generous to others whether we feel like they even deserve it or not. To be, I don't let me say it like this, it doesn't even matter how they respond. Based on what he's done for me, oh, it's my pleasure to be generous this way. It starts here and then it flows out of here. I'm not waiting to hear if they're thankful for what I'm doing for them. I'm not waiting to see if they do it back to me. It starts here and as I do this, it's just like boom, boom, boom. Oh, they said thank you? Oh, great, whatever. I'm just gonna keep, this is how the, it, it, always, it always flows from a place of gratitude and thanksgiving to our God. Why? Because we know we never deserved what God has given us. And when we get a fresh revelation of all that he's done for us, you can, do, you can make this a habit in your life. Do a little inventory, some reminders. Take some, go, write them down and, and reflect on them. All that God's done for you, man, it just changes our lives and generosity flows out of it and we talked about it in week one but oftentimes the enemy 
will convince us that others don't deserve our generosity. And, and I'm, I, confession time, this has happened in my own life where we listen to the lie that the person standing in front of me doesn't deserve what I'm about to do for them. And so there's been moments where I held back. Don't raise your hand, but think about that. There's, there's been times where I, I've, I've helped this person. This is ni- the ninth time now. I'm done. I'm just doing, I'm just doing my JF and my, my broken human moments, right? Where I'm like, I've, I've helped him, uh, man, and the enemy's like, the enemy gets in the middle of that and it's a lie. It's, you're being, I'm being deceived in that moment. And what happens is it begins to reveal what's really in my heart to people around me. Like, like, like people begin to catch on to this thing. And they, they begin to know you as, as somebody whose generosity is simply based transactionally. And, I, and I, I'm, Lord, I don't want that for, in my life. And Paul jumped to the New Testament. Paul says it like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Let me just, I'll give you the, the first 10 verses of chapter 9. He's, he's talking about uh, sowing and reaping. You, you sow a seed of goodness you're gonna reap a seed of, and vice versa, right? So he, he explains a little bit about that, that, that kingdom principle, and then he talks about how God loves a cheer, cheerful giver. Like, he, God doesn't want you just to give. He wants you to be, he wants your, your attitude to be in the right place with it. And then he goes on to talk about how it is, it is the law <laughs> to help the poor, Th- those that are needy. It, that's not like a conversation. Like, let's get around the table and see who, who, which one of you guys really want to do. No, no, no. It's like, we're doing it. The conversation is, how are we going to do it, right? So, like, this is the non-negotiable here. So Paul sets all that up. And then verse 11, look what he says. He says, you will be enriched in every way. Meaning if you have blessings in your life, it's never just for you. But then he tells us why. If you have blessings in your life, so that... Here it is, so that you can be generous on every occasion. This is why God gives this stuff to us. It's not, about, it's not just about us. It's, it's so that it flows out of us. And look what it says. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Our gratitude helps create gratitude in others and it perpetuates. Look at verse 12. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. It perpetuates in your life. And the biggest thing the enemy can do to stop that perpetual blessing of gratitude is to make you think that we get to decide if others are deserving. So we have to change the way we think about this. Generosity to others is not gratitude to them per se, it's gratitude to God. I'm telling you, my friends, this will set you free. All of this stuff, it's not about this anymore. It's, it's don't, don't get me wrong, it's, it's, it's loving and awesome when two people can you can receive a gift and they say thank you. And it's that's and I'm not saying that's the way that's that's the way it should be. But we don't base that 
on whether or not I'm actually going to be generous. Do you hear what I'm saying? Like, like it's not this whole like, he doesn't deserve it because when we start doing that, we start justifying why I'm not gonna give. And quite frankly, we owe everything to him. So when I'm generous, when I help the poor, when I serve my neighbor, and I'm doing it unto the king for all that he's done in my own life. Gratitude to God results in generosity to others. And Jesus broke it down in the most practical way possible. I love to hear from Jesus on these topics, don't you? This is what he has to say in Matthew chapter 25. And by the way, let me set it up. Jesus is talking about when he comes back and the judgment that is coming, all right? By the way, aren't you grateful that he's coming back one day? Aren't you grateful for salvation, right? Look what he says, and many of you are familiar with this passage. Verse 34, Jesus says, then the king will say to those on his right, come, you, you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. Sound familiar? Uh, I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Verse 37, then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did, you, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? Now watch what he says. Verse 40, the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. It just confirms what we're talking about right here. What you do for your neighbor, what you do for anybody for that matter. Yes, it blesses them, but ultimately it's unto Jesus. It's for him. But then he goes on to explain that when we don't meet the needs of others, that we do that for him too. And as I read that again this week, man, that was, read the rest of this chapter. It was like convicting. When I withhold a blessing, when I decide to just drive away because I got a staff meeting to get to or whatever it is, like when I, when I make a decision to not be generous, I am doing that to Jesus too. I'm essentially saying, Jesus, I'm sorry, I'm, I don't got time for you. That resonated with me this week. And so our gratitude towards an always deserving God can always be displayed through acts of generosity to others. Which leads me to this last thought as we close up as our musicians come back, and that is gratitude is more about our obedience than our understanding. We, we live in this culture that constantly rubs against kingdom culture constantly rubs against American culture. Did you say that, Pastor? Yeah, I did. <sighs> be because because the, 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 there's so many components of, of, of the kingdom where you don't need all the details. 
You don't need to know the end result before you say yes. You just obey. That goes against our, you know, American way of I want I want to see the business plan and the whole. And I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying there's there's always going to be that confliction, right? That we have to understand that what I'm dealing with right now is connected to kingdom principles. And I got to live it out that way. I don't, I, don't, I don't need to withhold generosity from somebody or something until I fully understand what's going on. No, no, no. no I, just, I just obey whether or not I find out the whole story anyway. I mean, I've, I've, I've uh, you know, I, I've heard, I've experienced things where someone was generous. Have you ever heard this before? Like someone did something nice for somebody and then maybe they took that asset or whatever that was and they squandered it, right? And, and, and I've heard people go, you didn't know he was gonna do that with that? Have you, have you ever been there? And that person has a decision to make. And some of the most godly people that I've encountered in my life in that moment says, it's okay. I, I, I did that unto God. That was a response of the goodness of God in my life, and I'm gonna pray for that person. I'm not gonna hold that over them. I'm not gonna allow that bitterness of taking my, you know what I'm saying? And there's been moments in my life where that's happened to me. I'm like, man, I just did this for this person, right? And the enemy creeps in and is like, see? You knew better. I'm telling you, that's toxic, man. It's toxic. You can't let, an en- you can't let the enemy have a, any, any bit of a foothold in your life, especially in this area. Gratitude is more about our obedience than our understanding. And so as we return back to this story before we close, David's men, they return and they, they tell him that Nabal, the fool, refused to help, help them and to help David. And David, you can read all the details, he is ticked off. He is, how dare this fool, man? We, we, we came with graciousness, with an extended hand. And the ball essentially spits in, his, spits in their face. Who do you use this guy? David guy. <laughs> Get out of here. All the while, David had been protecting Nabal's stuff, right? And um, so David, Scripture says that he rallies 400 of his men, his soldiers, and he's about to charge Nabal's place and take them all out. And guess who arrives on the scene? The joy of the Lord. Abigail says, hold up. I'm going to see what I can do about this. Right? Look at the scripture, 1 Samuel 25, verse 14. One of the servants told Abigail, Nabal's wife, David sent messengers from the wilderness to give our master his greetings, but he hurled insults at them. Yet these men were very good to us. They did not mistreat us. And the whole time we were out on the fields near them, nothing was missing. Night and day, they were a wall around us the whole time we were herding our sheep near them. Now think it over and see what you can do because disaster is hanging over our master and his whole household. He's such a wicked man and no one can talk to him. Abigail acted quickly. She took 200 loaves of bread, 
Come on, peace offering. Are you seeing this? <laughs> she takes 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dressed sheep, five seas of roasted grain, 100 cakes of raisins, and 200 cakes of pressed figs, and loaded them on donkeys. And then she told her servants, go on ahead, I'll follow you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. And what you should know is David, we just mentioned, he, he, he's, he's already plotted that he would leave no man from Nabal's territory alive. He's going to kill them all. I'm ticked, man. <laughs> David didn't play. <laughs> he was like, they're all going down. And, and um, but the power of gratitude can even change circumstances that dire. And we see it in action right here through the life of a woman named the joy of the Lord. Verse 23, when Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed down before David with her face to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, pardon your servant, my Lord, and let me speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. Please, I beg you, please pay no attention, my Lord, to that wicked man named Fool, <laughs> Nabal. He's just like his name. His name means fool and folly goes with him. Now notice I didn't present this as a teaching on a way to talk to somebody else about your spouse, okay? Let me just save you the trouble. And as for me, your servant, I did not see the men my Lord sent. And now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord your God lives and as you live, since the Lord has kept you from bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hands, may your enemies and all who are intent on harming my Lord be like Nabal. And let this gift, which your servant has brought to my Lord, be given to the men who follow you. And scripture says she goes on to praise David, to bless David, speaking blessings over. And here's what I want you to realize. She does all of this without knowing what might happen next. She didn't know what was going to happen. She didn't have the depth of understanding of what potentially might take pl place to her. There was a better chance that he was going to take her out too. But in the midst of her concerns, her anxiety, she makes a decision. She chooses gratitude. She decides, you know what, I'm gonna be grateful, and then makes her next decisions based on that foundation at the very beginning. And scripture goes on to say that not only does the Lord use it to save her people, David actually tells her that God used her to keep from making a rash decision to avenge himself. He communicates this. Because of what you've done, uh, you just saved a lot of people's lives. And so it doesn't stop there. Scripture goes on to say that Nabal is throwing a rager back at his pad. And everyone's smashed. I'm talking like full on. And, and, and Nabal is ha wasted, hammered, okay? And scripture says that he falls asleep and he wakes up the next morning kind of hungover and trying to get sober, right? And 
Abigail says, while you were hammered, uh, you'll never know, you'll never fully understand what happened. (laughs) She tells him the whole thing. And scripture says that in that moment, the fool has a massive heart attack. And within a couple of days, he's dead. Then the story goes on to say, That because of Abigail's willingness to be grateful and obedient and act out of gratitude, Scripture says that David ends up marrying Abigail. She now marries David and the blessing is passed on, meaning it multiplies. It's an incredible thing when we begin to make decisions based on a place of gratitude. And what I wanna say today before we close and pray is stop waiting for this gratitude thing to make perfect sense in your life. Stop waiting until you see the entire story before you make the choice to be grateful. Make the choice to be grateful today. In the midst of COVID-19, you have, a, you have a decision to make when you wake up in the morning and you gotta put the mask back on to be at work all day. Trust me, it's, it sucks. I, I want you to, you have a decision to, to, to set your day like that. My boss makes me wear this thing all day. Or you could put that thing on and say, I don't got the disease. I still have a job where so many people have lost theirs. I'm gonna walk in there and I'm gonna choose to be grateful for all that he's done for me this is what it looks like to live walking out the life of gratitude one quick story and then we're going to pray and i've and i've told this story lots of times so if you've heard it i'm sorry but this was a moment in my life really in my ministry as a pastor that like changed it changed how i approached the local church and the lord's work years ago <clears throat> We planted a church in downtown Tacoma, Washington at the University of, the University of Washington. And we, it was a, just a group of people that just decided we, were, we had heard from God and we were gonna do this. And, and uh, <clears throat> some of you may be in this room, for sure, were a part of that. And so many people came to Christ. It was just an amazing time. And, uh, but we were one of those load in, load out, church, you know, church in a box things, you know, talking about, where, you know, you get there at like two in the morning, you know, it's February, like, ice storm and and like me me as the pastor i'm like okay guys this is awesome okay i know the coffee sucks and you're tired and everything but now put this giant speaker on your back and don't get hurt because our worker we don't have workers compensation but it's going to be awesome come on come on get the hill song going louder get the speaker the speaker doesn't work fine come on Uh, we'll just and all of that like i'm like rally the you know all that kind of stuff you know the 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 used dump U-Haul that we bought, you know, almost given to us, always broken down, the whole deal. And I'll never forget, it was one of those early mornings and the ice storms going, everyone there, they're all volunteers. And for some reason, I always like, up until this point, I always felt so bad. Because I was like, I feel so bad for, you know, like, I feel bad that I'm asking these people to do this, you know? And I carried that. So because of that, I was like, oh, 
here's a Chick-fil-A gift card. I mean, all, anything. I, I didn't have hardly anything to give, you know, but they had so much to give. And it was one of those Sundays where we had like one team and they had been there for like 10 straight hours and were tearing it down. And uh, on, I had this visual of this older gentleman. His name was Mike, Big Mike, but he was older. And I, I can see him right now and he's, he's, he's trying to get that stupid speaker off of the stand. It's so dangerous. You know what I'm saying? Like you dro- it drops into this thing and if you get your hand in there, you're gonna have to have your entire arm amputated. And it's just, that's just the way it is, but doing the Lord's work. And I remember, like, I'm like, careful, Mike, let's pray for him, you know? And he's like, uh, and the thing comes down on his shoulder and he's like, I'm good, you know? And he's carrying this thing and I'm like, ah, 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 you know? And we get the thing in the thing and the load all up and things closed. And I'm just feeling bad the whole time. It's like, golly, God, these people, man, like, you know? And I had this, talk about the, how the enemy can, be, can deceive you. I bought this lie and the lie was, I, I was so grateful to God that these people were doing all this for me. Mike was picked, he got there at four in the morning for JF. And so I, I'll never forget, I walked over to him and I just went, Mike, I want you to know, bro, I can't thank you enough for doing all this for me. And he kind of started to laugh a little bit, you know, it's like 65 year old guy, and big guy. And he was like, man, I, I, don't, I don't mean any disrespect. Like, I love you, bro. And I want to say thank you for even saying that to me, but I want you to know, my brother, I'm not here. I'm not doing any of this for you. I'm doing all of this for him. Because like, if you knew who I used to be, man, like if you knew what he's done for me, you would understand why I'm even doing this at all. I mean, this is the tip of the iceberg. I'm so grateful for everything he's done for me that this is just one little tiny nothing act of generosity service that I'm not doing for you. I'm thankful, I'm grateful that you would say that to me. I love you and I'm not going anywhere and we're gonna do ministry together. But I want you to know, this isn't about you, it's about him and his kingdom and his work. And in that moment, man, in that moment it changed everything for me. And we have so many people in this church that approach the work of the Lord and his kingdom and what he's up to in the exact same way. They're, they're, they're not here. You're, you're sitting in this auditorium. So many of you are part of our dream team. You're not coming here because, because you want me to like, like you more or want to hang out with it. No, man, all of that happens. We do life in community together, but you're not showing up here because, J.F., I gotta do it for him. I feel so bad because there's times where he sucks and he needs my help, you know what I mean? Like, and all of that's true, all of that's true. But no, you, you come up, you know, there's gonna be a bunch of people here this Saturday setting things. Oh man, what's that all about? It's, about? it's about preparing the house for what the Lord's gonna do over the course of the Advent season, man. If you can figure this out, man, we're gonna pray here in a minute. Someone in here, you, you need to have a fresh revelation of what he's done for you in your life. Because if you get this figured out, right? 
I'm telling you, it, it flows like this. You, you don't have to wait and try to figure out or make a decision. Does this person deserve it? It doesn't even matter. It's because of this right here. And it flows just like that. Come on, let me pray for you right now. <clears throat> this is a moment, by the way, that is very meaningful for me because in our culture, in our society, it, it, there's just so much noise. I don't mean just like physical noise, but everything and everybody is prying at you for something, distracting you. And in a moment like this, this is just a moment where you can kind of ground yourself in what we just read, God's word, and what he's trying to do even right now. So maybe, maybe you're even here with your spouse. You're gonna be with him every minute of the day for the next week, okay? So just take a minute, maybe just get alone, right? Just get alone in your mind and your spirit. Take a minute and just meditate on God's word, that thought that Jesus gave, if you've, if you've done any of this stuff, for the least of these, meaning those that can't do this for themselves. If you've done any acts of kindness, love, generosity, service, for, for someone that can't do that for themselves, I want you to know you've done it unto me. Just take a minute and like meditate on that right there. Wow, changes everything. Changes a, it changes from, oh, I gotta do this to, man, it's an honor. Oh my goodness, right? And you know what? I, this is my prayer for myself, man, because I'm a broken dude. I make mistakes. The, the enemy creeps up inside and my, my carnal man gets in the way and attitudes creep in. It's like a constant, a constant reject that and repent and say, Lord, keep me humble. Keep me reminded of all that you've done for me and my family. In Jesus' name. Let me ask a question. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, pray for me. What you're talking about, like I want to, I want to do that. I want to be known for that. M maybe someday I could be known as the Father's joy or the joy of the Lord. Maybe it'll change my whole identity. People know me as a person of gratitude and generosity. But I gotta be honest with you, I, I don't have the relationship that is required with the Lord before I can step into that assignment. Pastor, pray for me right now. I wanna accept Christ into my life. I wanna give the Lord everything that I am. I wanna follow him. I wanna do what he created me to do and called me to do. Right now, I'm not, I'm not gonna even ask anyone to raise their hand. You don't, have to, you don't have to raise your hand. I just want you to do that right now. And here's, here's a way that you could say it just in your heart. Lord, you know all things. Pastor Ashley mentioned it during the prayer time. You know everything about me. Despite all of the mess inside, you still love me and you're willing to get in it with me and begin the healing process in my life but it starts with me saying yes to you, believing in you, committing my life to you, 
Lord, I'm a, I'm a sinful person. I've made a lot of mistakes. I confess it right now with my mouth. My mouth. I repent of my sin. For all have sinned, fallen short. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, who is Christ Jesus, is available to every one of us. And so right now, I just receive that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. One more qu- question, and then we'll pray. And Maybe you're here today, and you say, pastor like uh i'm a follower of christ i love the lord but this area of gratefulness thanksgiving uh especially in this season it it hasn't been hasn't been a part of my life generosity i understand why now i i tend to hold back acts of love service kindness gifts, whatever that looks like. I'm, I'm just, I'm not a generous person and, it, and it, it all stems from this misunderstanding or just missing the reminder of all that God's done for me. Would you pray for me right now that I would have a fresh revelation of all that he's done for me so that it could flow out of me into somebody else? In Jesus' name. God, I pray for that person right now. If that's you, just pray that type of a prayer in your heart. And we can start this today. I pray, Lord God, that you would give them Holy Spirit, even in this moment, maybe even this afternoon, this evening, this week. In your way, through your whisper, God, show them all that you are and all that you've done for them. And God, may I personally commit to meditating on that reality daily in my own life. God, we all want to be grateful people and we want it to manifest through our generosity towards others, regardless if we feel like they deserve it or not. That's not what it's about. And we rebuke the enemy. You have no right in between our ears, in our minds to lie to us any longer. We are going to work these kingdom principles. We're going to constantly be intentional with every act that we do making decisions based on the foundation of gratitude, ultimately standing on the cornerstone of Christ Jesus. So we, we, we commit this time to you, our worship, our song, our giving, reading of the word, meditating on the word, affirming the word, being unified in agreement, Matthew chapter 18. So God, as we come here this Wednesday night, as we bring our offerings to the front, Lord Jesus. We pray that you would continue to have your way. Bless it like you have. It's been mind-boggling what you've done over the course of this year just because of the faithfulness of people of Church for All Nations. God, I pray as we come on Wednesday night, as we receive communion together as a church family, Lord God, may it so resonate in that moment that you are so generous to us by sacrificing your life. May we even have a fresh uh, Uh, revelation of, of, of that act of love and generosity towards us this Wednesday night as we move into Thursday with our loved ones and family, et cetera. We call it blessed. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Thanks again for joining us. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church.